Welcome to the Dad's Night Podcast, where ridiculous becomes reality. We're your dad hosts. I'm Chris Parrish. And I'm Tommy Reed. Today, we're honored to have Justin Fry, the new assistant head coach at Ohio State and former offensive coordinator at UCLA. We'll talk about his path from a college star at Indiana to Ohio State, moving from California to Columbus, and being a super dad to four kids. We'll also recap this past weekend's chili cook-off, discussing the highlights and my controversial strategy. All right. Great music. Great day. This is our first morning podcast. This is like Christmas morning to me. I yeah. mean, uh, there's something huge going on today. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I, I, I woke up today and I just was like, is it Christmas? I had to sign a contract with you to be on my best behavior. You do. Uh, which I mean, we'll get into. So, so listen, Tommy, a uh, big weekend. We had the chili cook off. It was amazing. People still talking about it. It was fun it and, was uh, just so fun parties are so great and when you have a chili cook-off as a theme it's just phenomenal it was a great night it was packed we'll get into some of those details our guest today justin was actually at the chili cook-off the second time uh he's been at a party at your house the first time was dad's night the uh, epic party last june uh where we met and uh so uh, we've discussed on the podcast this place was packed it was a who's who really of dads we had stanley cup winners influencers podcast hosts Football stars. Actors. Mark Montpaw. Yeah, I mean, we, we just had a great group of dads, and that's what it's all about. It's just when you get some good male bonding and you just allow the bourbon and cold beer to flow, which we ran out of a lot we of beer. We ran out of beer, which I, we'll I get really into. Surprised. We'll I was really into. surprised. I mean, we had seven cases of beer, and that wasn't even close to being No, enough. and I brought a cooler, and we I ran mean, out. So, Justin, that's where we met you at this party. It was last June. Uh, I guess first off... What was it like walking into what was like a buzzsaw? I think you came in at around like 9 or 10 o'clock. Yeah, we came in late. Uh, I was actually with Chip. We got off the road recruiting, and he's like, hey, met these guys at the 900 Club. They got a thing going tonight. What are you doing? That's why I got done. I'm back. Lauren's, you know, just hanging out of town, my wife. He said, well, let's go over. We got to go. I said, okay. So we're walking through, bouncing around. All of a sudden, you start hearing it, like the music just, I'm like, where in the hell are we going right now? What is this, oh, yeah. right? Then you walk in, like you said, it was a buzzsaw of people everywhere. Um, I had one beer. Yeah. That's where we met at the cooler. That's where we met. We went for our second beer. beer beers were gone. Wow. So, uh, being the new guy, I said, hey, let's go save this thing. Let's go on a moonlight walk. That's it. Um, you and I walked. I... It's either a half mile or seven miles to Vons, I forget. But we walked there. No free ads, though. But no. We went to Vons. <laughs> we yeah. went to Vons. Um, got some cases of beer, brought them back, had a fun chat. We had a lot in common. Uh, not as much as now that you're back in the Big Ten, which uh, I'm going to be on my best behavior today. Amazing. Um, came back to the party. It was epic. Then we got to come see you uh, in September, the UCLA-LSU game, which was awesome. I think we went to that game. And we were asking an usher, where's our seats? And they pointed to the field. And then we were on the field the entire game. Yeah, it was I mean, unbelievable. Chip that night promised, he's like, yeah, you want to come to a game? You guys can come. And we're like, fantastic. And then I happened to do the power of the ask. And I said, uh, can we get sideline? He's like, absolutely. I was shocked. But then all of a sudden, when we were down the field, and all of a sudden, the game's about to start, and they're ushering basically everyone off the field. And we're like, okay, well, where's our seats? And the guy goes, right you're standing on it like 
you're basically standing on the sidelines. Be- Rose Bowl's beautiful. It was it was it was it was ridiculous to it was be ridiculous. sidelines and you came over to us and took all these pictures with us during the game and then you upset LSU. What a game. It was amazing. Troy Aikman was there, former Bruin, one of my favorite players of all time. Uh, and I went up and said, hey, I don't want to be weird, which means you're about to be weird. Right. But I got a picture with Troy. That was awesome. Uh, the game was just epic. The celebration afterwards. Um, how were you feeling? Because that was the culmination of a lot of work that you had done with that offensive team. Well, we felt good about it just because that's what you strive for. You want to win big games. We felt like we had a good team, good kids, um, mature experience so it kind of fit into us where even early on like we didn't score in the first quarter and there there was no reservations or the kids weren't there was no panic like we kind of knew this was going to be a four-quarter fight as you like to say you know um and then as we got going we just wore those guys down and then that's when our kids you feed off that especially offensively when the defense is out there longer obviously that's a negative but as the offense you're out there longer you should be getting more tired but you you feed off the energy and right. the juice and those things being able to run the ball what we did zach doing what he did you know dorian made a couple plays and then just by the end of the game, I mean, we were in 13 personnel. Yeah. And, you know, I, I use this adage all the time, but my daughter, who, like, doesn't really watch the game, she just loves being there, up in the section, like, she's going to say, well, daddy's going to run the ball again. And then you do it, and they can't stop you. Like, that's when you're rolling. You <laughs> that's know? so great. So well, great. It's, it's probably going to be a while before I'm rooting for you at a game the next time, but uh, I'm just kidding. No so, more sideline passes either. Though, so, so, so we met, met at dad's night, and then – Ten months later, we got the chili cook-off. You're in town for a few days because uh, you're moving to Columbus, moving the family. We'll get to that in a little bit. The chili cook-off has been hyped for a couple months. Uh, I have to say it lived up to the hype. I mean, it was bonkers. Um, 20 entries. Describe yeah. it for us, Tommy. Well, I mean, we had 20 entries and good chili start early. Uh, Jeb Terry, uh, very confident about his chili. He started Tuesday. Yeah. Um, that's how prepared he was for noted trash talker jeb terry absolutely great entry great great guy just yeah. and a great chili too by the way amazing chili. i think that he came late and didn't have enough marketing to get his chili where it needed to be by the way randy wilson and his marketing team of his wife <laughs> fantastic they chose the number 69 just kept on yelling every five seconds i didn't know if it was about chili or something else yeah. 69 moving up the leaderboard i mean it was it was just so fun and then Chris Parrish shows up. Oh, boy. And he puts down this chili. And, Justin, I'll let you kind of describe that. I, I went to the crock pot. I lifted the lid. <laughs> and there was this lone floating kidney bean in the middle of this just blah would be the best adjective for it, right? Yeah. And I came late, so I was, I was dabbling on all of them, right? I missed the voting. But I, I couldn't even try it, bro. I'm sorry. That's okay. I, just, I well, couldn't even try it. Did it have the sign cold on top of it? Because that's what I saw in his chili. I just All right, now right listen, in my it. defense, uh, I was in Miami visiting a buddy who's uh, shooting out there. And I was out, you know, because I'm a podcast host. So kind of everywhere I go now, there's flocks of people. They just want to talk to me, talk about my career. I was out till 3 o'clock in the morning. 5.30 a.m. wake-up call to get to the airport. Flight, land, uh, soccer game volunteer at a fair which i do to help the kids and then chili cook-off now my problem was that my chili was cold uh as i did not cook it on saturday yet i thought that a slow cooker would warm the chili up fast enough uh and it did not so it was ice it was a, it was a gazpacho chili i, I don't think he say. had one vote 
No. Not not even for third place. No. I mean, like, you couldn't eat nothing. it. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I should have microwaved it. That's whatever. My brain wasn't working. It was it was so much fun. We had a bartender. There were probably about sixty people there. Great friends. Great chili, and you know, cooler full of hams. That went fast. Phenomenal. You had you had some really good beer there. Hams, our favorite beer. Um, and then we had the results. And uh, third place was Randy Wilson. His Brisket chili, yep. which was phenomenal, unbelievable. Um, second place was Carrie Hayes. Carrie Hayes, who made a a turkey chili, believe it or not, and that and that came in second. And Another then Buckeye. we have the defending champion. It's like a uh, four time champion, almost like the Nick Saban of chili competitions right now. She's just crushing it. My wife, yeah, Don Reed took the title again, and, no, and she- it, it was pretty. It was forty eight votes. Second place was 36, and third place was 30. So that was a pretty significant. And she was strutting around like the cock of the walk. She knew that she was going to win this thing. And it's all anonymous voting. It is. And she still won. Yeah. Like, it's her and house. she did zero marketing, but I think yeah. it's the copper pot. It's the that pot. Does, I was saying, yeah. the copper pot. It was classy in, looking. I you knew. Nothing about nothing. I saw that pot. I said, that one's going to be pretty It's good. not her first rodeo, yeah. as they say. She's She knows what she's doing. So it was a great night. And then I do have to... Uh, I should have done this at the top of the hour. Um, again, we don't have an intern, but there was a mistake in last week's podcast. Yeah, th- there is zero fact checking here. At no fact check podcast. Zero. Um, I said I was excited because we were going to get an extra hour of sleep Saturday night. It turns out it was the opposite, uh, which is way worse. Michigan. Yeah, it's my Michigan education. Well, I was on the farm the whole time growing yeah. up, so. Anyway, so we had one less hour, so it was a rough Sunday, I think, for everybody. Oh, yes, and uh, we are blessed to have this Tuesday night with uh, Justin Fry here today. Um, again, I woke up, and I was just immediately, uh, I got so giddy. It was like a kid in a candy shop, and to have you here again, I mean, this is amazing. And I'm taking my son for his 10th birthday to Ohio State Notre Dame. All right. Very excited about that. Looking forward to the sideline passes. Um, and uh, listen, here we go. I mean, I out, so I'm going to leave for this portion or I'm sticking around? No, you're sticking okay, around because you, you have to just endure what is, it's hey, tough. we're going to grow our listening base today. No, I know. By 100x, okay? So here we go. You had a great career at Indiana. You played offensive line. You then become a graduate assistant coach um, where you worked on the offensive line and tight ends. You go into Florida, a big program now, uh, SEC, and you worked with the Pouncey brothers, Marcus Gilbert and Maurice Hurt. You then leave to go to Temple where you worked as an offensive line coach. And your first year there, you have the seventh ranked rushing offense in the nation. Rushing for 256.5 yards a game. That's a lot. You set school records for rushing and touchdown rushes. And then all of a sudden you leave there to go to Boston College where you worked with an offensive line that led the country with Andre Williams who rushed for 2,179 yards. This is the most prepared he's ever been. Yeah, This is amazing. I mean, because you have to be. Yeah. I mean – you're, you're, you're now, your offensive line is just making strides everywhere you go, where after four years, you've increased the rushing yards at Boston College, and now all of a sudden you're at UCLA. And even on a three and nine team, you increase the rushing yards per game, 40 yards per game. Not four yards, 40 yards. And you had Joshua, Joshua Kelly, your running back, who rushed for 1,243 yards. 
What was it like working from the Big Ten to the SEC to the Big East, back to the ACC, and now to the Pac-12, where now you're working with offensive genius Chip Kelly? Your journey, you try to get around good people, and then you do a really good job at what you do so that you don't have to – I never had to go look for a job that I've had. I've been fortunate early on. Like, I went to Florida. I was around Urban. I was around Steve. I was around a bunch of good guys. So you learn how those people did that, and then I got to see it with really good players. So I started my, my you know, the internship essentially started from the top. This is how it's supposed to be. This is what you strive to do. And then going along the way from a Mac school to a Big East school to the ACC to the Pac-12, you start right back at square one, and then you dig in on those guys and you go that way. So whether it was at Temple, whether it was at BC, whether it was out here, like the only way is the way, right? The way to greatness is hard work and all those things. And so the, in our world, the numbers, uh, the, the, the scheme, whatever it is, it doesn't just happen. you got to go back to the start and build it that way. So I was able to see that's how it was done at the top, and then I've carried that at every step and every place that I've been along that way, if that makes sense. It does, and you're very coveted. And to be so thankful that you were considered to be the hottest hire this past season at Ohio State, my alma mater, um, was blessed to get your ability to become the assistant head coach and offensive line coach. Tell me about what it's like to work with Ryan Day, because you've already worked with him at Temple in 2012 and at Boston College of 2013 to 14. What's it like, and what's what's that bonding like that you already had going into this year with working with Ryan Day? Well, the learning curve whenever you take a new job is big. You have to learn how the system works, how the organization's set up, and all those things. Being with him before, knowing kind of how he operates and, and what he wanted, because we talked about it growing up in the profession, like to become a head coach and vision of your program. Well, then him being able to take that over and then me come into that, there was a a quicker phase of getting in the groove, like the understanding of what he really wants, what he expects, what his mindset or temperament or his energies are. So that was kind of a step that you could really skip because I understood that. Um, and then now it's just still learning the place, learning the kids, uh, understanding the pressures, the time commitments, the, the all those things that go into it. Something's a little new every day, but you just roll with it and go. Um, so not having to look like, is this appeasing the head coach? Is this what he really wants? Because I know that. Um, and then giving that to him through the program every day, is that was an easier part. Does Ryan Day allow you to do whatever you do? Does he micromanage you in a way, or does he just say, Justin, do your thing? Uh, with everybody. He allows you, you got to go do your job. Right. You know, micromanaging, no. It's not that. Like, he has a vision of the program. He has a vision how he wants Jim Knowles to run the defense, and he's the head coach of the defense. You know, Mark Pantone's the general manager of recruiting. That's what he wants done, so you do that. So as long as you go do your job, he's not going to be micromanaging. He, I've got to imagine if somebody's coming after you to say, come help me out here, they already trust your skills and instincts, and that's one less thing he's got to worry about. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's it's always blown sense. my mind kind of just watching these coaches and the amount of – I mean, just being on the sideline, for example, and like the amount of players and staff, and you're in charge of all that stuff. How do you keep it together? And it's really just delegation. It's it. And yeah. it's just like I talked to some of the new kids when you get in. Like we stretch at the beginning of practice. Coach Mick just blows his whistle, and then the kids, they they know the system, right? They do this. It's hip flexor. You go to this, you go to that. Like, you know, this is going to sound very like standing on my soapbox philosophical. Like, if the regular world could come watch how we can organize things and get 
kids of all race and shape and colors to just roll 120, 125 of them and, and manufacture as much work and things as we do in, in a two-hour window, like the world would be a pretty damn good place. And you've got a very, you know? obviously in sports and on a good teams especially, you guys have a very clear goal. I think that's helpful as well. Like they're all working towards the same thing, right? And so you don't want to be the guy uh, bringing it down. Right. Yeah. One of my best friends, uh, Rand Williams, who's a big-time Buckeye influencer, wants to know, what's it feel like <laughs> joining a program that has the talent to win a national title this season? It sets a big expectation. We're no different than the kids as coaches. Like, I started in this profession to go be the best. And so a kid's training. He wants to get recruited. He wants to be the best player he can be and go to the best place. So everybody wants to go to a place like Ohio State. A lot of the kids here wanted to be Buckeyes. Coaches are no different. Right? You get into this thing to go be at the top of the game. So how did I get there? Just like we talked before, it's just work. Be really good at your job. Be really dependable. Be really accountable and be a hireable guy. And then you don't have to go looking for that. Like That's the way. That's what you do. So now the standard that's set at this place, yeah, there's pressure. There's all these things. Like I said, I'm learning. But I got there through working really hard and being really good at, our, at my job and recruiting and doing those things. So now how do I bring that to Ohio State? I'm not changing Ohio State. The block O is the block O. That's the standard, right? So how do I make sure that my coaching and my recruiting and all that matches that standard? That's that's the biggest stressor, if you want to say that. But it's not like it's exciting for me because that's what I want to do. Um, can I? I want to ask a recruiting question. I know Tommy's got a bunch. <clears throat> Excuse me. Can you describe the difference between recruiting for you now, like at Ohio State, uh, which? I uh, can't believe I'm doing this. It's obviously one of like the top three programs in college, depending Thank on how you, you feel about Clemson. You. You're, you're welcome. Um, George obviously won this year, but like you're obviously going after kids now who five star uh, talent, five star talent who's got these other you know Alabama's coming after a kid or or appease me Michigan is going after a kid or Georgia now like you know how different is it? It's re- relationships is what's recruiting. Now, the, the caliber of kid, like we said, those five-star kids, right? Yeah, those are the kids that you're going to go after because those are the ones that are to the standard of Ohio State, just like we talked about the coaching has to be. Yeah. Um, but from a recruiting standpoint, I mean, like I said, it's relationship. Who's, who's involved with that kid? Is it, the, is it the parents? Is it the coach? Is it the seven-on-seven coach? Like, who is that kid really going to rely on, and what does that kid really want? And then you go recruit to that, building that relationship, right? Uh, the flash, the smoke, the mirrors, like – you're not going to see me in, in recruiting photos. You're not going to see me dancing. Like, that's just because then that would be fake. Right. But I can sit and talk about <laughs> the standard of Ohio State, like we said, and this is why we're recruiting you. You know, and other places I've been, you would recruit kids saying, if we get you, you can take us to the next level. Did you ever think about changing your accent? Um, no. No? You no. didn't do that? <laughs> All of a sudden you're from the South? Okay, cool. Have you watched any of last year's offensive line tape? Yeah. Yeah, you go through. We watched a bunch of cut-ups um, after recruiting when I got off the road. Um, but that's something you do every year. It's, that's We call it quality control. Okay, so we have a lot of returning linemen coming back. And, I mean, you have some that are potentially first-round picks with Dewan Jones. I mean, he's, is he six foot nine? Every bit of it. Oh, yeah, boy. I mean, he's a big dude. Um what did you see in that Ohio State-Michigan game with Ohio State's offensive line versus Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo? Well, when you play matchup games like that, I mean, honestly, take the logos out of it, right? When it's a matchup game, meaning 
on a scale of one to ten, you're both eight point fives. How do you win or lose that game? Is really the question. So there's a handful of plays in a game like that, five to seven, let's say, where a play is presented to make itself. Who makes that play? Right. And so that's what we did as a staff looking at, like, why didn't we make this play? Because if this one cut, if this one block, if this one throw would have been made, it's a completely different story. So you as coaches, that's what you quality control is like. Why didn't we make that? What caused them to make this play? Right. And so going back and watching the tape, we play a high level matchup game like that again. And that's my job coaching is here's another tool in the toolbox. This got us last time. This could have been better last time. Here's why. How do we enhance that? How do we clean it up? How do we completely change it, right? Um, and that's what we're looking at, all the teams that you talked about, Chris. Like, in those matchup games where you show up and you're the exact same as that person, mm -hmm. how do you win those games? Because on paper, it should be a tie, but it's not. That's where the mistakes come in. That's where fatigue comes in. That's where, you know, any mistake really that brings you down. You have to play to your ability level the whole time. And then when a play is presented to be made, meaning it's a 50-50 ball. Like Jackson's got to go up and get the ball over the top of the DB. Well, does the DB high point it and tip it out? Or does Jackson high point it and go get it with two hands? Those are those plays that have to be made because schematically you weren't wide open. Defensively, they didn't cut a guy free and you just have to find the open guy. They've called their shot. You've called theirs. And then the people that are prepped the best go make those plays. Those are those plays I'm talking about have to be made. So finding those within the game – um, and cleaning those up, and then that gets into spring football, the practice time. What are, we, what are you putting your time to task on? We're really good at this, so let's spend a little less time but make sure we're still enhancing it, and we're going to do this a lot more, so let's, let's vest a little more time here because the time to task of if I rep this in five minutes of individual but it covers three different plays, and that's pretty good coaching versus using something that we may use one time in a special situation, and now you've wasted five minutes of work. That's not smart coaching. Right. That's great. It's a perfect segue to the next question, which is it's very well known that the coaching tree at Ohio State is one of the most prolific in all of sports. So many coaches have come from Ohio State to become head coaches in college and in the NFL. What is your master wish for coaching? I mean, I want to be a head coach. I don't want to run my own program. Uh, but I think I talked a little bit about this before. Like, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be around good coaches in, in my career growing up. Like, if you're looking for the next job, then you're not vesting your time and your energies into what makes you a good coach. It's being a good coach. So Ohio State, is it a platform for that to happen? Yes. Is that part of the reason going there? Yes. But now I'm there. So what do I got to do? I got to be hireable. I got to be wanted. And the only way to do that is be really damn good at your job. Right? Yeah. And so, I mean, yes, in the big picture, I want to be a head I want to run an organization and a program through the vision of me but you pick and choose things along the way of I'll steal a little bit of things that Urban did that I really liked, and I'll steal some things and say I'll never do that because I didn't like it. And then I've been with Steve, and then being with Chip, and then now we're going to be with Ryan. You kind of grab and choose things to pull into you that you want to do, but along the way I'm just kind of putting those in, in the bank and letting them accrue interest because right now i gotta be, I got to make sure the offensive line of Ohio State is playing as well as they should. Justin, those are some of the biggest names in all college sports. I mean, the Urban – Chip Kelly, uh, Ryan Day. Day. I mean, that's just unbelievable. Um, so from Darren Mock, also another Buckeye alumni, um, from watching film on last year's offensive line, what immediate improvements can you help the Buckeye running game and other personnel or schemes-wise? I'm just going to enhance the guys' skill sets because we own everything. There's not one thing you look at and say, ah, we just we can't do this or we don't do this. 
you've got to get kids comfortable that when they need to use that technique or they see that, that fundamental set that needs to be used, they just go do it full speed. Um, and, you know, that's probably a really good question after spring ball because now I'm going to have my hands on these guys right. more and see them in the flesh and working and, and what's going on. But, I mean, you know, I've said this before. If you've seen one of my, my introductory press conference at Ohio State, like the beautiful thing about football is it's blocking and it's tackling. I'm not going to give them something that's a new age technique right. that no one's ever done. Right. How do you get them to do what we're supposed to do really well? If it's a pass pro, then make sure that CJ's on his, not on his back. Right. If it's a run game, then how do you make sure that the holes open up for the for the tailback to run through? Um, and that sounds so just plain, but like that's how I've always viewed coaching. Like, how do you get these guys to use base fundamentals and technique? Because then you are a high level player. So if you're a high level player that does it technically sound, then who's stopping you? Nobody. And you, you have know? and you have Trav- Travion Henderson, mm-hmm. who I think is a sleeper for the Heisman next year. He was a phenomenal freshman running back, and we haven't had something like that since, well, probably Zeke Elliott, but before that was, you know, I go back to, I was in school with Eddie George, and he won the Heisman just from, he, he would just go straight at you. He wouldn't try to make a cut. He'd bully you over. And I feel like that's what Travion Henderson is. He's going he's gonna to run north and south. He's not going to try to go east and west, but it's that line I mean, we had Corey Stringer and Orlando Pace for Eddie George. And I think that you're going to give this foundation of the line those big household names for Travion Henderson. Yeah, I mean, that's the goal, right? And then, you know, for all the backs, right? I mean, mine's had a good couple of days already, too, in spring. of When you, when you have confidence that the five guys in front of you are going to do their job, then your skill set goes. Like, right. he doesn't have to worry about where's the free guy. He needs to worry about run my track, get to the second level, and then I have to go beat the safety. Like you said, that's what Eddie did. When Eddie got to the second level, that was his world. I'm going to put my foot in the ground and run through a soft shoulder, and the guy's either going to tackle me and I'm going to fall forward for four more, or he's not going to tackle me and I'm going to score. Like that was his skill set. So that's what you have to get those guys to of what what are they really good at. If he's an open field runner, then we better get his ass to the open field, right? <laughs> okay. Oh, man, I got goosebumps here. This oh, is amazing. Geez. Amazing, Chris. I'm so sorry. We All won right. last year. I'm just thinking about that game right now while you're talking. Um, it is interesting when I watch, again, Tommy and I coach sports, not necessarily at the same level that you do. Um, but, you know, 10-year-old girls, my 7-year-old boys, like just you've got these kids and I, you're most successful when you're like, all right, he, this is his skill set. Let's put him in that position. Even at the highest level, you'll see a quarterback who is a runner and they're just like, no, you're just going to sit in the pocket all day. And then they're never, they're not successful because you're not using this player's abilities to the best that you can. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know, obviously Saban retools every year, Ryan day retools every year, Jim Harbaugh retools every year. Um, and, and that's how you win the championships is putting those guys in the best position to succeed, that's I think. So. That's it. And you, the, they do that in the pros. I just related myself to Ryan Day, by the way. So. Yeah. No, and, by and, the way, you just used Harbaugh and Tool in the same sentence, and that is perfect. It's my garage, Tommy. That's so great. Um, what can you say of the importance of the Buckeye Nation places on beating Chris's alma mater? And have you thrown out all your Navy and yellow? <laughs> the biggest adjustment going from L.A. to Columbus was we couldn't wear red out here because the team across town. Yep. And so I had no red. All I had was blue. And then now. I well, that's sky blue. I'm... Yeah, but blue is blue. Shade of blue is blue. Right. Like you, you see the color blue now in Columbus and you start seeing red, right? So 
um, I had to flip some of my, you know, clothes and buy some new stuff. Thank you for the uh, gear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The looks good. Sideline gear in your Buckeyes in the, in the, in the BCS game, too. It's going to look nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. And that's out here. That's in SoFi Stadium. Yeah, well, I was sure. saying you're BC, oh, right? Yeah. You're, oh, you're Bay City Flag oh, Football, yeah, that's right? right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, the big D coordinator right. over here rocking right. the sideline hey, here. Hey, uh, we gave up one first down this past weekend. I blitzed everyone. It was great. It was Don't give out your call, secrets. Call it the kitchen sink. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The kitchen sink. Well, you know, I was giving kids their, I was like, what's your blitz name? They're like, Red Storm. I'm like, perfect. What's yours? Gray Thunder. I'm like, And I was just yelling out, Red Storm, Gray Thunder. <laughs> Monster shooting pistols from the hip. It was great. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, this is your fifth university coaching. Can you describe the difference of a five-star talent that you're recruiting at Ohio State than going to Temple? And I know you've talked to, talked about it briefly, but how do you talk to the parents about that difference? Because you're getting Nick Saban coming up against you. And- I mean, you're just if you don't factually recruit. Like, I don't like, like people say in recruiting, like you're selling your university. I wholeheartedly disagree with that. Because if you're selling something, then you're trying to get them to buy in something that they really don't need. Right? True. Just fundamentally. So the factual component of it, like when I talk to kids early on, like, this is who I am. This is what this place is. This is why we're recruiting you. If you're hung up on that, then it's the wrong stuff. How are all these other things that we can do off the field and development and getting you ready for life after ball or life in ball, right? you got to show them all those things and why those are elite because the ball speaks for itself. Like yep. you turn on Fox Big Noon Kickoff, they're at the shoe or they're at our game most of the time. Yep. As soon as you turn on Sports Center, or you turn on College Game Day, like they're talking about us. If you have to like sell that to a kid, then they're looking at the wrong stuff. We're already recruiting you because you can do that. How can we do everything else? And how can we be elite at that stuff? And that's where Ryan does a great job. Like he set up a great program, like our circle of care, where we're surrounding these kids in every facet of their life, whether it be mentally, emotionally, spiritually, academically, um, recovery. We want to be the best and, and top notch at that because the ball is going to take care of itself, right? Wow. Um, and so that's how you have to recruit. As I said before, at other places, like you kind of have to show the kid – well, if we get you, we can develop you into this, and then you can be the guy that takes us to the next step. You can be a – if we were, we're a six, seven, eight win team program and we get you and then you get a couple guys like you, we could win nine or ten. That's real. I've done that. There's right. nothing wrong with that. That's right. just who you are. That's not what we're doing now. Of course. Right? I don't know. I mean, here's our <laughs> keep section. Keep it together, Tommy. I mean, I'm sorry. This You're is so this pumped is like, up. Again, I mean, this is like – I wish this podcast had just gone for a year. Um, straight. It's feeling like it for me right now. Uh, well, look, the power of the ask. Here's a big one here. The NIL money in college football. It's, it's changing kids recruiting. It's changing coaches moving. The portals, like this new thing. You're in one place one day. The next day you're out. I feel like NIL money is an opportunity. And I feel like Dad's Night Podcast has to be a contributor to this. And I said this at the Chili Cook-Off, and I'm going to say it again. My power of the ask is I want to ask Bob Evans or the Waffle House for the Fry's Fortress, for Fry's Big Five. I want Justin Fry to have an NIL deal for all of his offensive linemen and the pancakes. Let's bring back the pancake NIL money, Justin. Let's get you going. I mean, can you imagine your starting five a security in front of Bob Evans and you get in for a pancake deal. I'd be great. 
I want pancake deals for all your linemen. What do you think? They they need everything they can get. <laughs> we talked about this at the at the dad's night. Like back in the day when they couldn't. I mean, what are we ta- we're talking about? Pancakes. Like really? <laughs> so crazy. Like for them to be able to walk into whatever restaurant, right? And they're like, "Oh, that's the starting guys. Hey, we got your meal. Great job. Can you give us a little pub? Done. That's awesome." Yeah, it is. Why couldn't that have been done the whole time? Neither here nor there. It's happening now, so that's good. So these kids deserve all of that and everything they can get, right? But I'm going to circle back now, right? Once again, I don't try to sound boring or like I've beaten a dead horse, but like that should be like an additive or a, a, a sprinkle on the Sunday. If a kid's looking just for that, it's the wrong guy. You're diving into it for the money or what? Can I get this? Can I get that? Well, yeah. But how do you get that? You better be good at ball. Yep. Better be a good human. Better be a good person off the field, right? So what do all those things come from? When you win a lot of games, you're a marketable kid, you're a marketable person, and then you get those as additions too. That's not – that doesn't become the way. Yeah. You're chasing a guy that just wants his, you know, the Orlando Pace pancake, whatever. Okay, that's great. Well, how are we going to get that? Well, I'm just going to ball out. Well, then I'm going to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Maybe this isn't the right guy. Right. Oh, I like you know? that. Versus, hey, we're going to come do this and do these great things and this, and you get to have, oh, I get that too? That's awesome. Yep. Those are the ones you were looking for, right? I don't need the pancakes, though, because I should have already gained like 10 pounds. You look good. Well, there. he did yeah. just call you the hottest coaching hire. Yes. <laughs> I thought you were talking looks. He is. Everything. About <clears throat> um, How has the NIL money changed college football today? I think it, it supplements the kids that deserve it and that can – I mean, for what it is, it's name, image, and likeness, right? If you're really good on the field and they can sell, like go back to the to the Florida days. Like there were 15 jerseys all over the swamp because of Tim Tebow. Yep. Right? He didn't see a dime of that. Yeah. Fundamentally, like that's not right. right? I agree. So now just that little change, yeah. If you're a good player and you can do that and make that off that, then you should be able to do that, right? Um it's still too early to really, for me to say, like, this is the super positive, this is a negative, other than just the elementary stuff. Like, if a kid's a really good player and can make a little extra money off of what he's doing on the field, I'm all for that. If it consumes you or that becomes all you're looking at, then that's that's a negative, right? right. It's taking away from the real reason you're there is to, to make yourself the best you can and go to the next level. But from a big picture, I don't know enough to, you know, I know enough to know I don't know enough. How's that? Right. That's perfect. Right? And did Ohio State, is it, they were the number one NIL money last year? Yeah, I mean, in Texas too? Yeah, we, we had, we had a, a ton of kids get a ton of stuff. Um, you know, and so we, you can show kids and recruits that. Like, we're, that's the same deal too, like I talked about before. Of, this is real, and here's how it's real. This guy made this, this guy did this, this guy did this. These are all guys in the locker room with you. So if you're playing to this level, then you're look at the possibilities you could have. Right, right. Versus, hey, if you come, then we could try to see this. Or if right. you do this, then maybe this company does this. So there's facts, and then there's, well. I mean, there has if. to be a bit of a stress relief, too, right, for maybe like a, a top player. I, maybe they don't, but I have to imagine you're going around kind of just constantly feeling like somebody's watching your back to make sure you don't screw up and do something improper. And there's stories like, you know, Rick Majerus got busted at Utah, I think, because he bought one of the kids pizza or something. Mm-hmm. This was like 20 years ago. And, right. Living in the hotel, right? It's like right. the hotel restaurant. Right. You know what I mean? And like all of us had jobs in college because you're allowed to, right? So I could go make money and 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 do whatever. So just to for them to know, like, hey, I can do this thing and it's okay. And yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. And and you know, once like the like why 
why weren't they allowed to or why weren't we? Like, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to get into it. and I'm, We can now, so that's good. So how do we maximize it and keep it wholesome and keep it real and keep it fundamentally sound from a business part? I right? love it. I just I love a lot of the creativity, yeah. too. Yeah, and it helps in education, too. Like you talk to kids, like April 15th comes every year, right? Tax season's coming. Oh, crap. So now you can bring us, we can bring guys in and say, hey, listen, here's, be sure to know that if they give you whatever in cash, it's cut it in half because you're going to have to pay taxes on it, right? right. Um, but setting up a kid for a portfolio or to invest, it's real life stuff. So that's why I said, like, you can look at it like, oh, it's changing the game. This is not what we used to do. This sucks. Or what an opportunity yep. now for another educational point for these guys to make some money, help their family, help themselves. And we can help guide them as they do go into the real world of, I already had practice. I, I practiced inside run so we could run the ball. Well, now we've had off-the-field real-life Wednesdays where the tax guys come in and said, hey, think about this or putting this away because then it's a tax write-off, and then now you're saving for your future. Yep. So this dude can retire at 48 instead of 65 That's because awesome. he was smart as a 20-year-old. Wow. That's pretty cool. And those are lessons that like none of us get when we're 20. No, right? well, we're all, right? You, I, I proved it in my 20s. You could, yeah, you could <laughs> retire earlier if you yeah. had money to invest earlier, right? right? Right. We don't know. Right. My wife and I, the same deal. I was a GA making no money. Yeah. She had a great job. On the weekends, we drive and see her brother in Chicago and spend all the money she made because, eh, whatever, we're young and having fun. Now you look back and you're like, we blew a lot of money. Had a lot of fun, but, like, imagine if that was sitting for the last 18 years. Yeah. Like, you know. Describe how you feel when your offensive line gives up a sack. What does that do to you? I mean, your initial reaction is painful. You're like, ah, God. And then you got to figure out what happened and correct it, right? The communication from whether it's up top, come to the sideline. What did we call? What did you have? I just go left to right. I start with the left side. What'd you have? What'd you have? What'd you have? I had a five. I had a three. Where was the linebacker? He was here. You draw it up. Guys, we should have seen this. Oh, yeah, that's the one we should have seen. Or maybe it's something new, and then you get it corrected, right? But it's going to happen, right? Now, you can't have it happen multiple times, but... Um, Does yeah, it feel it, like when you gave up a sack, or if you, like, how many sacks did you give up at Indiana when you were offensive line? Oh, uh, I mean, a lot. I mean, I played against Tom Bahali and Will Smith, and, and, you know, that whole Ohio State. You know, I, I was talking to Bobby Carpenter the other day, like, that we'd break the huddle, go up to the line with that, and I'm looking around, like, NFL I got guys. two, I got two true freshmen to my left, I'm playing center, and I got a converted D lineman at right tackle. And I'm like, we're not blocking these dudes. What the hell's, I mean, <laughs> let's, let's not go fast, let's slow way down, right? Um, so me, me personally, sacks, probably, you know, you get better the older you are, but not a lot, but it was probably a lot. Well, you're lucky for you. We don't have fact checkers anyway, so we're good. Yeah. I want to ask a question, Tommy. So I'm, Tommy and I are very biased, as you know. You're a new Buckeye, but you've been around the block a few times. Ohio State, Michigan is the biggest rivalry in sports in my The opinion, biggest. Right? And so, you know, I used to live in Virginia, and people would try to sell me on Duke, North Carolina, no. like whatever. No. Um, out here, no offense to any you. You know Trojans or Bruins. Yeah. Um, you agree with that statement? I Absolutely. guess is what I'm getting at because okay. I can't think of anything else. No. And then I feel biased. But there's like, Yankees, I, Red Sox, and I think that's the next biggest thing. Maybe. I mean, but I think Ohio State because the difference of pro teams than college teams is your pride. Right. Right. I think I have way more pride than my college alma mater than being a New York Giants fan. Oh, and that's sure. Just, I mean, I feel like because those athletes are getting paid mega money right whereas now the kids you know they're, they're doing it because they want to take it to their next level and the pride is there and that's what's lost i think in sometimes professional sports they're they're paid pride but 
when you go to Ohio State, you want to go to Ohio State because everything you just said, the alumni is so powerful that when you're done with your career and everyone's going to be done with their playing career at some point, you want that bounce board to have real life. Well, I mean, they're everywhere. Like we were, My wife and I were having lunch yesterday, and I'm in the Riviera, and this lady's going by on her scooter, and she's got an Ohio State helmet with Buckeye stickers on it, right? So you just yell, oh, H, and she's like, turn around looking. I mean, they're they're everywhere, they, they, coast to coast. They it's are, everywhere. They are. they are. And I come from a huge uh, Buckeye alumni. My brother James graduated. He, he was with the uh, Chris Spielman, Tom Tupa days. I was, uh, I'm a graduate of Ohio State, and I went with the Eddie George days. I have a bunch of nephews, Jackson, Hunter, uh, that graduated uh, recently, and Ryan Jones. Believe it or not, my sister Tara, Tara Reed, was actually accepted into Ohio State, but then went and did the Big Lebowski and didn't go to Ohio State. So, so the Good Reed, move. Reed, yeah, Good the, move. the Reed tradition for, for being alumni is, is so proud that, you know, that's one of the things that I want to talk about is like you're considered to be the best offensive line recruiter in the country, in the nation. How do you build a bond? not only with the players, but their parents? Because I've just heard the greatest stories about you. Well, I mean, when you're involved with the parents, like that's their prized commodity. They're handing their diamond off to you. And so it's to, to be fake or ha-ha, hee-hee or what. Like, I don't want to be cool. I don't want I got enough buddies. Just like you said, I went to Indiana. I got a, I got a bunch of college buddies. I don't need buddies. We need guys that want to be the best version of themselves. You need them, their parents raised them and brought them up. Like, that's the same deal. They want to send their kid to a place where they're comfortable handing off their prize commodity. Right. Right? And so if that's a bunch of fluff and smoke and mirrors and it's not for the right, like, the, the relationship has to, it has to mesh. Right? And I tell kids in recruiting all the time, like, all the success, like, even the first-round draft picks I had that weren't five-star guys, they were a great kid from great families or great upbringings or great programs. They were about all the right stuff. They loved ball, and they just wanted to be coached. They literally wanted to have all of them just maximized. Well, then I can give all of that to them. That doesn't fail. Now, is that a first-round draft pick? They all hope so, right? Is that a mid-round draft pick? I've had some of those. Is that a free agent? I've had some of those. And I got guys that are state troopers in Pennsylvania that never played a lick of football, but that's what they were supposed to do. So if they can give their kid to us, knowing that we're going to provide and take care of them and continue to grow them, and they're comfortable with that, then that doesn't fail. If they're looking for something else, then that's where a kid transfers. That's where a kid goes somewhere else. That's right. where it doesn't work. So it's not overly complicated if you can trim it down to what's really important. I mean, it's right? still like it could be a kid who throws for 600 touchdowns in high school, but it's like the parents, I'm still sending my son off to college, right? And I want to make sure that it's going to be the best. And you sat in my living room and said X, Y, and Z, and then that's what's going to make me feel good. Like, right. I want him to succeed in sports. I'm probably not talking about my own kids, but um, but it's still like my baby's going to college, right? And, right? and you want her to be safe, and you want her to get better and mature and learn the right things. And, you know, I think sometimes with, with some of the coaching you see where, <clears throat> again, there's one in particular I love to hammer on. I, I sort of alluded to him earlier, but, like, sometimes I think those kids and those parents probably just be like, well, you, you just told me this, and now you're, you're off to LSU, for example. You know what I mean? Like, those... Um, and then we get on the kids for, for not, now they're able to now, but the, the kids can't move around and do the same thing. Right. And, right. and, um, you, you hear people talking about the transfer window. I, I just think it's great for the kids to have another option. Yeah. I mean, I, everybody gets nervous that it's going to turn into the Is that a big and, thing for you now? Do you, I mean, like, cause I know that, you know, I know how 
the top recruits still in high school already looking and speaking to you via Twitter and all that good stuff. What about the transfer portal? Do you take a kid now that maybe wants to leave USC or, or LSU and they're like, hey, hey, Fry, what do you got going on over there? You know, is there, is there an opportunity for, for me there? If they fit, right? If they're, if they're an OOU, if they're one of us. Like whatever, whoever you bring, whether a high school kid or a transfer kid, you bring them into your program, you bring them into your, Like for me, I'm like the general manager of the offensive line room. So you're bringing that person into the room. How's that going to upset the apple cart, as they say, right? right? In your room, you've already recruited the kids that are there with you. So that balance of do we need someone now immediately come help us play, then that's why you would do that. But oh. you're not just going to go get seduced by talent. Like, sure. why is that kid leaving? Why you know? I mean, Chip and I used to talk about this all the time. If a kid's leaving the program, and they that program takes that kid without talking to you, then they've not done their. Re- I mean, what if that kid's leaving because he's running away from criminal charges or something bad that happened? You you don't right. know. Right. So the power of the ask, like you've talked about. If someone's leaving another program, then you need to call that place. We may be interested in this kid. Tell me about him. Right? The coaches will tell you. I mean, that's it's our network. We're all we're on right. the same business. We know what's up. You know, we've had we took, you know, Britton Brown came to UCLA, right? From Duke. Coach Cut couldn't say anything but great things about him to chip. So we knew we were getting a good kid that was leaving for in his mind the right reasons and was leaving the right way. He graduated from Duke, and he came and had two great years at UCLA. And he's going to have a chance to play pro football because he did that. Right? Wow. I've also called and reached out about some kids, and the coach has been like, ah, coach, tread lightly. Here's what's going on. Well, then you don't bring those guys in. Right. right? Um, so, I mean, yeah, you're, you'll use it if you need it. You know, um, Are we going to need it as much? Probably not, just because of the caliber of kids that we can get. Sure. Right? Another reason why Ohio State's going to be up for a national title um, Technically, everybody's up for a national title. Well, right again, we're really excited, Justin, with you coming to Buckeye Nation. I know that you're going to bring out some <laughs> some of the best opportunities for this offensive line. Um, really looking forward to a great year, especially the Ohio State-Notre Dame game, which I think is a key pivotal recruiting game for, uh, for a lot of players that are going to be coming to that game. Um, let's segue to some dad stuff here. Love this it. Is what it. This is what it's all about, being a dad. Let's move and on. You are a dad of... Four kids. Four kids. How Ooh. many boys? How many girls? I go boy, girl, boy, boy. So boy, girl, boy, boy. <laughs> Good little spread. Four. Nice. We have a segment called Grilling and Chilling. What do you grill and how do you chill? Steak. I'm a meat and potatoes guy. What kind of steak? I'm a strip. New York strip. Yes. All the strips. Right. Prime or choice? <clears throat> uh, I mean, if I'm going to RDJs or the Rex, then, you know, they're prime age stuff. If it's at home. I can throw a little coffee rub on anything. So there you whatever's go. good, right? Uh, medium rare, grill, a couple of cold ones, baked potato, finish on the grill. Life is good. Love it. I love it. Um, how do you chill? What do you do? Music. Nice. Big music guy. Love all kinds of music. Um, that's what, like with the kids, like if I'm grilling or we're out, we've just, hey, Alexa, play, and we just named something. You know, today's country, the Dave Matthews Band, Pearl Jam, whatever it is. We like Pearl Jam. Them. Yeah, big, I mean, like I, I'm a big 90s grunge guy. I mean, nice. Pearl Jam, sure. Nirvana, Smashing nice. Pumpkins. Like, that's my vintage. So, if that was. Flannels are coming back, too, by the way. They are. <laughs> the, the, everything goes in the, a circle. What are they, the Shankets or the, blank, the, the blanket shirts? Yes. Big fan. Yeah, nice. Big fan. Got a lot of those. Um, what's your grilling setup? You probably don't have one right now. Uh, I actually just cleaned it. I mean, this is. We've got so much stuff to pack. 
And the first thing I did was I went out to the Weber grill and took it and scraped nice. it off and cleaned it off because it's going to be in the it's going to be in the in the car and in the storage <clears throat> unit for a little bit. So I was the priority number one taking care of that. But just a nice uh, Weber, and then we've got the egg. Um, nice. Oh, smoke some wings. I like this salmon. Um, you know, chicken. Don't use that as much because that's that's like an event, right? Like you're smoking, like you're out there all day. And oh, I just, sure. I don't have that the as time. much. Yeah, yeah, the time for that is that's that's more of a special occasion. But yeah, the grill right out on the patio. Walk nice. out from the patio and sit down and. And you'll also be chilling because the temperature will be much colder. Yeah. It, the, the good thing about the Midwest, though, is it's way today and it changes, right? So <laughs> Monday and Tuesday, it was 70 degrees and everybody was out in shorts. And then Friday, my flight got canceled because there was snow. So I always like that week in May or in March where the temperature gets up to 65 and then everybody's in shorts and you think it's springtime and then you're about to get hammered the next week. That's it. Yeah. Just wait a day. Exactly. Do you have any jokes you tell your kids constantly? Uh, I, I'm a big... Uh, Do you have any like dad my, jokes? My grandfather used to say all the time, like, off we go like a herd of turtles. So we'll say that with the, <laughs> we'll say that a lot with the kids and, and they kind of, they laugh into it. But I don't know if it's a joke as much, but... Like whenever we do dinner, it's like we're grilling. There's a little steak left over or whatever's left over. I'm always like, hey, save that. That'll be really good on an omelet in the morning. And then my wife and the kids are like, Dad, you always say that. I'm like, well, it would be if I get up early to have an omelet, then it's a gourmet omelet. So I don't know if that's a joke, but that's something I always say. Yeah, They're like, Dad, you got to stop. You're always saying that. Are you are you considered like the human garbage can of you eat all the kids' leftovers? Or I, I started learning. Well, you're a big dude. You're 6'6". Yeah. Six, six. yeah, so... Yes and no. Up until my oldest now, he's he's a big dude now too, right? So that him and, and my seven year old, they they'll eat everything. So leftovers don't really happen from the youngers anymore because they're on them. Like last night, we went to my daughter's birthday yesterday, so we went to Little Simsies, had a burger, we got the loaded fries. Friend of the show, right? Quesadilla over at the end. So Wellesie's done the baby, and our youngest is done. And Kevin and Max are like, can we get that quesadilla? So. They're, they're scrounging the oh, you know, So I got no scraps. So <laughs> used to, but not as much anymore because the boys are getting bigger. What do you do for daddy time? I'm sure Lauren needs a break every now and then, and you have four kids. What do you do? Where do you go? Here's been time? a lot of bike rides. We just hit the strand and just roll. Um, but big breakfast guy, though, with the kids. So, so dad so, takes out the four kids. Yeah, so I take the kids out. We just nice. go, we go eat, and then we'll figure something out. Um, but like obviously out here, it's been we'll have to figure it out. Martha's, you go to Martha's. No, we go to good stuff. Oh, I love good stuff. Big good stuff, guys. They're redoing that right now. Are they? See, I've been shut down a couple months. I'm, yeah, I've been gone for a couple weeks. That's so what I, I didn't realize that. So we, I mean, multiple times. Like when she's gone, she did one trip two or three Daddy days. Daddy breakfast. So we went to good stuff like three days in a row for breakfast. You know, Lauren's like, "Are you serious?" I'm like, "They love it. I love it. It's good stuff." You know, yeah. hear joke, that, Bob right? Evans? The nil deal, <laughs> pancake deal, breakfast. It's all a theme here, folks. It's all a theme. So you're hopping in the car Thursday, actually. Yeah, to we're move. Thursday. How did the kids take it when you told them what was going on? Uh, change is hard at first for all the kids. So yeah. like scared right. is probably the best emotion. Um, but as they've gone on and I mean, that's kind of like you guys just talked to it. Like you're, we're grown men sitting here, right? Yeah. You were like a little kid on the sideline at LSU. I can speak yep. to that. Cause I saw you <laughs> like, this is awesome. This is amazing. Right. So, so good. What we get to do in my work is like our adventure. And we tell the kids that it's really fun and it's exciting. So when we moved to UCLA, Kevin, my oldest, was upset at first, or scared, not upset. But then, like, hey, buddy, like, our home field is the Rose Bowl. What? Yeah. Instantly, right? Power. Now, as we're going back closer to home, closer to, like, my wife's family's in Cleveland, my mom's still in Indiana, all my the nephews oh, and siblings. We're, we're within driving distance of everybody now, right? So once they could start 
grabbing that, then they're better that way. So, but it's I, uh, kids are resilient, man. You I know, mean, I've been, yeah. I've got to think. I've been, I went to one game at the Horseshoe. Tom Brady, who's ninety eight, and regardless of who you're rooting for, to be in that stadium is ridiculous. And the first time your kids go in that stadium where you're on the sideline coaching. It's all going to make sense, I think, to them. Yeah, and it's you know, the first time they visit. Like we talked to Coach Johnson, and like my my oldest son, he wants to be a D lineman. Yeah, right? that's awesome. Which is great. I'm, I I just want to be happy and play and do that. But then I'm like, hey, this is Coach Johnson. He coached the Bosa brothers, and Chase Young. Yeah, but like Kevin knows, he's like he's right. a Bosa fan. He yeah, just sure. um, you know he's wow, well, you know Nick does this, but Joey does this. Like he's a ball guy, and so I'm like, well, ask Coach Johnson about it. He was right in, just like bam. And then he left. He's like. That, that was so awesome, nice. you know? Aww. And it's like Larry's the next office for me. So for them to be able just to live that every day, like those are the things of, yeah, we're going to move 2,000 miles away. Right. We're going to take them out of baseball year-round into snow and this and that. So there's give and take to it all. But once they get into it, they're going to realize, like, that got it pretty good. Right. You know? Do they see the difference already? Like at UCLA, I mean, I don't know if you're as recognized as Ohio State. Once you go to Columbus – you're you now you got a face and I mean you always had a face but now you have the name that every Buckeye's like that that that's Coach Fry that's Coach Fry yeah I mean when they're around it they'll see it right um, but once again like if you just whatever with kids you tell them right we try to do this just like with your players but now back with your kids like if you make it a big deal then they're gonna think it's a big deal if you make it not a big deal or just hey this is how we're gonna do things then that's how they're gonna learn and grow that way right so yeah they'll see it. They've seen it a little bit. I mean, we went to a Mexican restaurant or something when they first visited. And, you know, I've been there because I went there like I'm, it was two blocks from the hotel. So I'm late at night. I'm like, yeah, I'll just grab another taco, another burrito, another whatever. So I went in a lot. So then going in, like, oh, hey, coach. Hey, Justin. Like, daddy, they know you. I'm like, yeah, it's, that's going to happen. They're like, oh, okay. And then you just move on. Yeah. Versus, yeah, and it's going to be terrible and we got to hide. And right. then they're going to panic that right, way. Sure. So, how, the, you know, the, the message and the presentation is. is Tommy and I are that. dealing with a lot of that yeah. lately, just with the podcast and how it's blown up. Yeah, and heard that down in Miami, right? You're yeah. Saying, it was, I was just was down in Miami for a podcaster conference. Can't even go to Fiddlin'. Can't even do it. How do you handle kids' tantrums? Four kids. I'm sure that you get someone picking on each other the wrong yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, just as they roll. Like, probably not the best sometimes. You know, snapping on them isn't the best, but it's... We all do we're, it. We're emotional, right? We're all that way. Um, I raise I, my I, voice. I like, yeah. I mean, I raise the <laughs> voice. I have a different tone. You know, I, that's a good... With the with your wife and then with you as your the co-parenting or however it goes. Like, mm -hmm. she's going to handle a little different than you are. So, as long as one of you doesn't become the teacher from Peanuts where it's just... Wah, 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 right. Then you can stop it. You can, you know, divert it. Or you can just... Even on the beach the other day, like... Max kind of swung at Kevin first, and I was like, let me see how this thing plays out. And then he got choke slammed into the sand, and he got up. Oh, I'm like, nope, I saw it. You started it. You instigated it. Like, don't poke the bear. Okay. And then they move on, you know? So I think every situation is just different. Do you have a look that you give the kids where they know it's the dad look? Like, dad's bad. <laughs> my wife says I have a brow. It's probably from football, but I have a little crease in my brow. I'm like, when my brow goes down, I think, yeah, I think there's a look. I don't, like feel like oh let me turn this on but there's probably just a look that it goes to where and the like, kids know you're oh yeah uh oh yeah. dad's mad yeah or the wit like when i whistle my old man was a whistler so we were a small town like he could he'd be playing at somebody's shooting hoops and you'd think you'd hear like hold on hold on and you listen again and then another whistle came like oh i gotta go yeah. right <laughs> so i do that more with my kids like i can whistle pretty loud and they kind of pop up you know like the groundhogs and you give them a little let's go and they're like oh okay so um that's probably my calling it. card versus the look 
Okay, four kids. I'm sure you have some potty training stories. <laughs> Especially, I mean, I feel like girls get taught earlier than boys, but you're... You have they they all were their own. The the baby was the easiest. Like he just kind of all of a sudden just stopped wearing diapers and stopped going at night. You know, Wells was the easiest, the fourth. Um, I don't know that that's always the case. There's a lot of potty though. You got four kids and you got three boys and they're big boys. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd say there's more just a lot of potty going on versus training. They were all on their own schedule. Um, no one, you know, fortunately, no one had like big issues. Yeah. Um, but boys are harder, I think. Even even if they're they know to go. Yeah. You're still dealing with some accuracy issues. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's the deal. Or the, the, to this day, <laughs> to this day, I'm 38 years old yeah. and I might stop some accuracy yeah. issues. Absolutely. Right? Um, <laughs> do you have any routines for bedtime? Uh, my wife's really good at that. Um, they read. You know, they'll read stories. Um, the older kids now have their own routine. Like they might go down and listen to music. Uh, my daughter, she reads. She can get through a book in two days. Like she's, wow, it's she, she got that from a wife. Definitely not me. But she loves to go down, get under the covers, read a couple chapters, go to bed. Um, but no, I mean, the evening time, especially when I'm around, like we just like to hang, whether we're catching a show, watching a movie, cuddling on the couch, hanging out. And then when it's time for bed, you got to tell them 27 times, go brush your teeth. It's time to go. <laughs> yep. Go brush. Did you brush your teeth? No. What have you been doing? Well, I was looking for just brush your teeth. Yep. So. Um, trying to force the routines probably more than a, than a, than a, just a, a flowing routine right <laughs> just now. Just turn into a drill sergeant. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. and that's where I get my like, On repeat. Yeah. yeah, it's just over. Like, did you do it? No, yeah. why not? I just yeah. told you, you okay, go do it again, you know. Um, what's your most embarrassing moment as a dad? Oh, I've had a yeah. bunch. So, <laughs> I, I witnessed many on Sunday. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so when our oldest, we were in Boston, this was bad. this is like embarrassing slash bad dad, right? So I'll tell this story. I was off for a break or something, and it was snowing. So we, he did uh, pre kindergarten because he's pre yeah Kevin's, yeah Kevin's birthday is in June, so I didn't want him graduating not even for sports, but I didn't want him graduating at seventeen and then turning eighteen mm -hmm. after his senior year, right? So we did pre kindergarten, right? Junior kindergarten it was called. So it was at this little Christian school, and connected to the school was like a daycare center. So the doors were right next to each other, right? So it's Boston, right? I think this was actually like spring break time. We didn't go anywhere, and it was snowing because it's Boston, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I pull up. I'm kind of in like a caravan of cars or whatever, and they're pulling up, and I pull up, and I let him out of the car right on the curb, and he walks up, and he opens, and he goes in the door, and I'm like, all right, I'm good. Leave. Other people are walking their kids in, but he was, you know, he was good enough, and so I drive home. We only lived a couple miles away from the school. Well, then... My wife gets a call from the preschool next door, and she's like, hey, we've got Kevin here. Like, he was just kind of left at the door. Like, school's canceled today. There's no K through 6 at, at the school. And Lauren's like, Justin, you left him at school, and there's not school. And I'm like, no, he, he went in the door. Like, what? There were So now I'm like, oh, my God, I left my kid at school. Like, was he sitting outside freezing or whatever? And so the lady's like, no, we, he's in the gym. She's with my kids that didn't have school today, so they're just playing oh, around. Man. He's okay. So I go back. I pick him up, and he's playing happy, and then gets in the car, and so I'm kind of like, hey, bud, how you doing? He's like, dad, you left me at school, and there was no school. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh. So how many... How long in terms of years did it take for you to live that He down? still remembers the story. He still will say, like, hey, Dad, do you remember when you left me at school? Right? Yeah. But the problem being was I had a, a little bit of a – I should have known, but I, it was like the first time I took him, right? That door shouldn't have been unlocked. 
And for whatever reason it was, because that was the lead-in door to the main door. And then we were on an email chain, but they had my wife's email wrong. So we weren't getting the full school emails from administration knowing that school. So there was no, I'm like, why wouldn't they tell us? And then I'm like, why were so many people dropping their kids off? And I was like, that's that's like preschool, like the daycare. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I had no idea. So I felt like an ass right? yeah. as i should have but yeah every once in a while he'll be like hey dad you remember one time you left me at school and there was no school i'm like do you right like do you really remember that you just keep barbering oh, me with I that love it. i love it uh this is this has just been a fantastic time here um i can't thank you enough yeah uh any any parting uh I, listen uh this is gonna be i hate ohio state um but what i love more than anything is seeing my friends work hard and succeed and so i will be rooting for you personally um and uh it's been awesome to get to know you the last year we got a lot in common that's a different podcast um good luck um i'd rather coaches stay in the big 10 i guess um but it's gonna be uh it's gonna be fantastic i mean i'm I'm, it's a little bit easier for me because at least we won a game while my kids are alive um and it's gonna obviously be a huge game next year but just ohio state in, in general i know you guys reload and um Congrats, man! It's gonna be awesome. No, appreciate it. Yep, uh, I can't wait to see what goes on this year. I actually think you're gonna win uh, two national titles in in one year, three in three years. I think you're gonna do that. And then I, my prediction is that I think you're gonna be an NFL coach here, yeah. um, shortly. So um, I hope you enjoy Ohio State, Columbus. There's a great chicken parm across from the Meridian Joseph Hotel, Marcella's. I don't know if you've been there or not. It's a mm, famous maybe. chef. They have a great meatball. It's a huge, like the size of a, of a softball, and the best chicken parm in Columbus. Get, i got to get that from And then you, there's out. a thing called the Thurman Burger. If you haven't heard of Thurman's, mm-hmm. very famous in Columbus. I'm sure you're going to be uh, well-fed from the Buckeye cool. Nation. Without a doubt. Justin, congratulations Congrats, on your, all your success, and Thanks, we look forward to a great year this year. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Well, as we do every time, we just want to say um, thanks for taking the time to listen to Dad's Night Podcast. Uh, please like and share with a friend or two or all of Buckeye Nation. Um, <laughs> after all, this is where... Even if you didn't go to Ohio State, you can do that. That's true. Um, I hope we got a couple Michigan listeners coming out. Weird, Because yeah. after all, Dad's Night is where ridiculous becomes reality. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Dad's Night Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Dad's Night Podcast or drop us an email at dadsnightpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>